Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 175 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline, and we have another great guest for all of you this week with Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book joining the show. We'll get to talk to him about what it was like playing in the ACC this season after years of independent play, making the college football playoff, and of course, his experience at the Senior Bowl. So we're going to get to cover a lot of ground on tonight's show that we often don't get to cover with some of our interviews. Yeah, this is a great interview. I mean, the quarterback of Notre Dame, that's, uh, uh, the, that is always a, a mantelpiece uh, in the college football world. So I'm really looking forward to the interview with Ian tonight. And we'll get right into that interview in just a moment after this word from our sponsor. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. You can also bet on the NFL draft, our specialty. And right now, Tony, Zach Wilson is the favorite to go number two overall, followed by Penny Sewell, Justin Fields, and in a distant fourth, Trey Lance. That's funny because I thought I read somewhere today that there's a team that has one Zach Wilson rated ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Ha, ha, ha. But anyway, uh, I, I think uh, Trey Lance is going to be a real distant fourth, like 10 spots uh, past that uh, fourth selection. In addition to sports, Bet Online covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, my go-to, the 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use our mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, without further ado, Tony and I would like to welcome Ian Book to the show. Ian, welcome to the Draft Analyst, and thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Ian, it's a pleasure. I got to watch you uh, play at the Senior Bowl, besides watching play for three years at Notre Dame. And I, I guess being the starting quarterback at Notre Dame is almost like being the firstborn son in an Italian family. You're always... Uh, <laughs> You're always the favorite of everyone. So it's a pleasure to have you here. I know we're going to have some fun. Talk about uh, your move, your decision to go to Notre Dame, uh, your, your, your career at Whitney Fighting Irish, and, you know, what you're doing as we head towards the NFL draft. Yes, sir. All right. And we'll start kind of from the beginning here. You grew up in California. Football-wise, were you a Niners fan or a Raiders fan or some other team? Yeah, I grew up a 49ers fan um, basically my whole life. Uh, that was the NFL team, either like the Raiders or the Niners. And I, I grew up watching the Niners. Were you just a, uh, a football player in uh, high school? Or did you play any other sports? Yeah, my offseason sport was lacrosse. So I played lacrosse um, to stay in shape and got to play with my brother. So it was fun. Did that in high school. So the lacrosse was more to stay in shape as opposed to say, because there are some people that are out there crazy passionate about playing lacrosse. I, I loved it, though. I definitely I definitely picked uh, lacrosse over baseball when you kind of had to pick uh, going into high school and I just loved it fell in love with it and you know was able to play varsity for three years growing up in the bay area 
who was your favorite football player? Was it one of uh, was it a Niner? Was it somebody else in the league? Um, I, I kind of have like a few QBs that I've always looked up to. Um, but obviously being a Niners fan, I, I really liked Alex Smith. Um, but now it's a little different. I like, I like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. So those are the kind of the guys I, I like to watch just all, all for different reasons. Any other athletes in, in different sports that you looked up to? Uh, I, I was a big, a big, uh, LeBron fan. So I still am, but, um, you know, most of the guys I look up to are in football. Now, obviously, lots of West Coast schools were after you during the recruiting process, whether they were Mountain West teams or Pac-12 programs, whatever it may be. Obviously, Notre Dame was a big-time exception to the kind of geography there. What made you choose the Irish program in the end? Yeah, so I grew up, uh, wanted to play in the Pac-12 kind of my whole life. Grew up watching the Pac-12 and never thought I would leave the West Coast, really. And uh, I was committed to Washington State. Well, I was going to commit to – I was close to committing to Boise State. And this coach named Mike Sanford was the coordinator there. And he left and went to Notre Dame. And I felt like I couldn't really wait for him to see if I might get a Notre Dame offer. might not. Kind of wanted to be the first in my class, um, start recruiting some guys. So I, I decided to live out my dream and commit to Washington State. I was committed there for three, year, or for three months and started recruiting a lot of those guys. And definitely thought I was going to join the air raid for sure. And then I ended up getting – he ended up calling me. Uh, Coach Sanford, and was like, hey, I'm all settled in here at Notre Dame. you got to come take a visit see it for yourself. So I decided to take a little visit out there, and I made the switch three days later. So Mike Leach was the head coach at Washington State when you had uh, plans on going there? Yes, sir. You, you took over the Notre Dame job in 2018 and, you know, acquitted yourself quite nicely almost from the get-go. What was your thought process entering that season under center for such a prestigious program. I mean, did any of that factor in you're not Washington state is, is a pretty big program, but it's not Notre Dame. Yes, sir. Um, I, I wanted to go to Notre Dame just for the, the, the academics, the football and the tradition and Notre Dame's the school that has all three of those at the highest level. And uh, just being able to play under center there for a few years was a dream come true. And it's, it's everything I wanted. I'm just so glad I decided to, to just show up in South Bend one day. Cause you know, I'd never been to the Midwest and thought I was going to stay on the West coast. And it was the best decision of my life. You said academics. What was your major? I was a business marketing major. Got it. Now talk about kind of that 2018 season, first season under center. What are you looking to do? What did you come out and say, Hey, you know what, this is what I need to do for our team to succeed. And, and how would you kind of, grade yourself on how you did in that aspect. Yeah, I just wanted to distribute the ball to the playmakers. I mean, we had an unbelievable team that year. We were able to make a run and, and and go to the playoffs. We say every year we want to graduate and win a national championship. So, you know, I knew I was a redshirt sophomore and, uh, you know, I couldn't graduate yet, but I knew I could, you know, go on a run and try to win a national championship. And when I took basically prepared every single day that I was the starter and when I took it over, I just never wanted to give it back. And, um, we had a great team that year and I just wanted to distribute the ball and be a leader and show that I could lead, you know, even though I wasn't a senior, felt like I could still lead on that team. And, and uh, we were able to go undefeated, which was awesome. Make it to the playoffs. We weren't able to finish it the way we wanted to, but um, just felt like I could lead that team. And, um, you know, I wanted to be the guy that they could all rely on. So you kind of felt like you were almost the point guard, like, you know, a guy like LeBron James might be here and there uh, at times for the Lakers, Cavs, whoever. Yes, sir. I mean, it felt like, you know, I knew that we had guys that were going to play on Sundays for a long time. And I just took pride in um, 
wanted to distribute that ball around to all of them. I'll let them make the plays and uh, just focused on that, that whole entire year of being a leader and, and getting the ball out of my hands and get it to these guys who know what to do with it. Now, obviously 2019 was a really big statistical year for you. 38 total touchdowns, 34 of them through the air, over 3000 passing yards. What were the best moments or the ones that kind of stick with you the most from that season? Uh, from the 19 season? Yes. Oh, man, a lot of them. Uh, that was an unbelievable year, too. Uh, being able to just start out, you know, an away game against Louisville. And then, um, you know, I felt like, I felt like, you know, we went, we had a great year. And then I felt like uh, we came up a little bit short, obviously, against Georgia and, and against Michigan, the two big games we needed to win. And then I felt like uh, in our bowl game, you know, Iowa State was a heck of a team. But, you know, I don't remember exactly what we were ranked. We were ranked, ranked a lot ahead of them. And I felt, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our players just felt we were a little disrespected um, that we were in the Citrus Bowl and, or the Camping World Bowl. And we just wanted to prove a point. And we went out there and we, we put a lot of points on them, which felt really good. So that was a good way to end that year um, and, and, you know, give us some momentum for this, this last past season. And if I remember that Georgia game, you guys controlled the tempo of that game in the first half. And then uh... – uh, Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle for Georgia, came onto the field and and it kind of tipped the uh, tipped the scales of the second half of the game, if I could remember correctly. Yes, sir. It was a great game. Um, man, it was a tough one. We ended up losing by one touchdown, uh, but being able to play in the hedges was between the hedges was so fun and just came up short. You know, came down to a few plays that we could have done better. You have a great 2019 season statistically. You head towards uh, the 2020 season. All of a sudden, something on the outside that no one can control by the name of COVID-19 hits us both uh, on the field and off the field. First, a couple of questions. What was your thought process mentally, especially when you see all these conferences, the Big Ten announcing that they're going to cancel the fall season, the Pac-12 announcing they're going to cancel the fall season? What's going through Ian Book's mind while this is going on? Uh, Just to stay positive and – Basically, every day you were just kind of waiting for some news. So I just tried to talk to our guys and be a leader and just say, you know, I mean, we had one spring practice and it went really well. I remember Coach Kelly was saying it was the best spring practice that he's been a part of. Next thing you know, we're, we're sent home and we don't know what's going on. So you know, just texting the guys, calling them and just saying, keep working. It's going to pay off. You know, we understand that, um, you know, it, it, this whole COVID thing is way bigger than football. But if we're able, to, if we are able to play, and do it in a safe manner, we'll do it. And we want to be ready. The last thing we want to do is be unprepared. And the team did an unbelievable job. We were able to go undefeated again. That just shows, you know, the hard work that everybody was doing at home and, and getting ready for a season that just we didn't even know if we were going to play. So, we, again, we feel so fortunate that we were able to join the ACC to play that year. Now, you, you, you kind of tipped off the next question I'm going to ask. How was preparing for the season and then preparing during the season – so much different this year than in past years, especially instances where you didn't know if a game may have was going to be canceled because your opponent may have had too many, not enough players, not enough uh, COVID negative players to play. What was the difference in the, in the preparation leading into the season as well as during the season? Yeah, just, you know, leading into the season, like I said, was just kind of waiting, waiting by the phone, waiting for news every single day. And um, our main thing was just, when, if they do, if we do play, let's be prepared. You don't want to be the team that's not prepared. So that helped motivate a lot of us. And then during the season, it was kind of the same thing. I mean, get, you hear all the buzz and you hear the news of this team's got this many COVID positives, and then you just hope 
it's not your you just hope your team's not the next one so uh, we were getting COVID tested every other day and we were all on our phones waiting to hear from our you know team doctor every single day so it, it was a lot mentally but the team uh, this team did so it was just they did such a good job of uh, keeping the main thing the main thing and that was always being prepared you know when our name is called and um we just prepared every single week we were going to play the game and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, you know, luckily, you know, fortunately our team did the right things and we only had to postpone one game, which, you know, was pretty good compared to some other, some other teams. And obviously you mentioned playing an ACC schedule, you know, you guys have been an independent for such a long time. What was that like actually being affiliated with a conference and, you know, playing games against division opponents rather than just kind of making your own schedule, which was obviously done so many years in a row as an independent. Yeah, it was fun, you know, uh, definitely different. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, just to, we just talked about it, you know, once the ACC let us in, we just felt, you know, you hear all this talk that we won't be able to do anything if we ever join a conference. And it just felt so sweet to go win every single game in the ACC, uh, especially when you, you hear the buzz of, you know, Notre Dame needs to join a conference, this, that, and the other. And we did it and we won every single game, you know, so that was a goal of ours and uh, obviously came up short when we came to the championship game, but um, it felt good. And again, we just felt fortunate that the ACC would let us play with them, uh, let us have a season in a safe way. So it, it was fun. I'm curious to see, you know, what, you know, with COVID still going on and what Notre Dame will do next. Well, it leads me to my next question. I mean, the ACC did things the right way. It started on time, yeah, sure. full season, and then just adjusted uh as need be so it was it was obviously a brilliant move by Notre Dame did you miss not playing the Michigans or the USC's this season oh yeah I, definitely um Notre Dame's just got so much rich you know tradition and history and it goes way back with many teams you know USC Stanford Navy Michigan and uh, you miss those games we play those games for trophies and you know you just we like to sketch our name into the history books for those games so definitely Definitely missed those, but, you know, it was cool to join the conference for a year. Now, you know, let, let's take you back to August of, of last summer. Did you really be, did you really believe that Notre Dame could be one of the top four teams of the country? Yes, sir. No doubt. No doubt. Um, we believed it. I, I believed it. Our coaching staff believed it. And, uh, you know, that's where it starts in believing. Now, you beat Clemson on November 7th. Obviously, they were without Trevor Lawrence that game, but still a good football team with very competent quarterback play, even without Lawrence yes, on the field. Talk to us about kind of your preparation for that game, you know, knowing that Lawrence wasn't going to play, and then obviously what you guys were able to accomplish on the field. Yeah, I mean, every game, you know, is obviously important, but I definitely had that game on November 7th, you know, circled. Um, you don't have many opportunities in your college career to play the number one team, you know, at your home stadium. So that's why you go to Notre Dame is to play in big game like in big games like that. And we had an opportunity. Then the team just believed from, you know, the first day of that preparation and um, an unbelievable night. We definitely made history a night. I'll remember forever. And, uh, you know, I was honestly bummed that that Trevor couldn't play in it. I felt for him. I know that definitely hurt. But, you know, I just kept telling everybody, you know, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play on defense. So it doesn't change it doesn't change anything for us. And you guys set the tone of that game early on with that uh, long run, from what I remember. A game yes, that stretched, stretched late into the evening. Now, Trevor Lawrence comes back for the ACC title game. What was Trevor Lawrence aside? What was the difference between the Clemson team you played 
on November 7th and the Clemson team you played during, or was there a difference during the ACC title game? Yeah, they did a lot of things differently, you know, schematically. Um, obviously they got, they got a good, good coach and he did a good job and, um, they, they didn't, they didn't really do any man. And we, if you watch that game on November 7th, our third down percentage is very high when they were in man coverage and our guys were winning. And that's, that, that's how we moved the ball. That's how we converted third downs. That's how we ended up winning the game. Uh, they didn't do that. You know, the next time we played them, it seemed like they were rushing three guys, sometimes four and just dropping everybody back into his own coverage. So they definitely switched that up. Um, you know, ran a lot of defensive line games and just had a good, had a good plan for us. And uh, we couldn't really get going, couldn't really get gelling and felt like we didn't have much momentum. So um, they're a heck of a team. They played a really good game, you know, that game. And obviously that leaves a really bad taste in our mouth and a game we want back for sure. Now, obviously, you know, you go into a game preparing, as you said, you know, they played a lot of man defense the first time around, they come back out and they don't do that this time around. What kind of in-game adjustments are you making? And, you know, what are you looking to do on the sidelines to make sure that you can combat something that you weren't necessarily expecting entering the game? Yeah, no doubt. We, I mean, we saw that early. We, we had a few third downs and it was like, okay, this is all zone coverage. And we're going to have to, basically what we did on the sideline was we're going to run these plays. We're going to have pure progressions, which is, you know, I got to go through my reads, one, two, three, four, sometimes even five. There's got to be an open guy in these gaps, in these, um, in these zone coverages. And that's what we did. That's what we needed to do. And then um, we needed to run the ball and we needed to do both of those because that obviously helps with the passing game and, and vice versa. And uh, we just weren't able to get that going. But in-game adjustments on the sideline, we're talking about pre progressions. You know, it was on me to get through, through these progressions and, and find an, an open window, um, you know, as you go through the progressions because gonna, there's going to be a, a hole in that coverage. Now, you guys made the college football playoff and were rewarded with a matchup against Alabama. Can you kind of describe to us what facing the Alabama defense is like after kind of we discussed the Clemson defense? Yeah, it's almost exactly opposite in a, in a way where, you know, Clemson's all scheme. They do stuff in coverage that nobody else does, especially in college. And um, Bama's kind of the other way around. It's kind of like I'm going to run four coverages, a lot of man, and we're, gonna, we're just better than you. We got better, we got better players. That's kind of how they do it. Uh, that's how they've been doing it for a long time, and they're really successful at it. So it was definitely a lot different, whereas Clemson is, you know, they're dropping defensive tackles into the deep third. So it's just a lot different. Uh, so a different game plan for sure. You said it's different, but was there like an increase in intensity from the Alabama defense as opposed to other defenses you may have faced? It was, was it like, you know, there are a lot of next-level guys on, uh, uh, that are across the line of scrimmage here? Um, they definitely do. And obviously, I mean, we didn't need any extra energy. We're playing in the Rose Bowl and the college playoffs. So we were there to play and we knew what was, in, you know, we're one game away, you know, technically two from our end goal of winning a national championship. So we knew where we were and um, we didn't need, any, it didn't feel like there was an extra buzz, but um, Bama's got, every, everybody knows that Bama's the team. They got great players. Um, and, and it was on us to win those matchups and be able to run the football. And, um, you know, we really wanted to win with our tight ends on their linebackers and safeties. That's where we felt we could, we could, uh, you know, kind of just get on their defense a little bit. That's where we thought we could do it. We had the tight ends to do it. And, uh, yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun game. I know it didn't, didn't end up the way we wanted it to go, but it's just fun to go out there and compete against a team like Alabama. I've been wanting to play them my whole life. 
Rose Bowl in the state of taking place in the state of Texas, right? That was a little bit odd yeah. for everybody. A little weird. Let me ask you, it, this season, is there one single defender that you faced that really stood out that was like, wow, I mean, you know, that guy is a step ahead of everybody else. I would say, actually, is with Alabama, Patrick Sertan. I mean, we didn't attack him, you know, that much because of how good he is. But to me, he looked all of 6'3", and he's a corner who can move. And uh, I think that's that's the NFL corners that you want. So he'll be playing for a long time. And uh, he, he's probably one guy that I was like, when I looked out there, he, he, was, uh, he was a heck of a player. Got to ask you about a couple of your players. Uh, Javon McKinley comes into the season. I believe he had 11 career receptions prior to this year. Not a lot of people talking about him. He is well-known in the scouting uh, community. And bang, I, I mean, he was just an exciting player to watch this year. Yes, sir. Uh, it has really helped his draft stock. Tell us, I mean, was there one thing that you can put your finger on as to why McKinley looked like almost an all-world receiver at times this year? I think he just knows how good of a player he is, and he knows, you know, Claypool's gone, and – we need somebody to step up and it was him and he knew that. And he's a heck of a player. He's at Notre Dame for a reason. And uh, he just stepped up big this year, you know, made football the biggest priority and that showed, and it showed, you know, he had several games over a hundred yards and uh, was somebody that I just trusted for sure. And just knew that he was reliable. So that really showed, I'm really happy for him. And um, I just knew he could do it. And I, and, and he knew he could do it and it was, it was time for him to do it. And he did it. You mentioned about trying to beat Alabama with your tight ends and Tommy Tremel decided to declare for the NFL draft. And when you watch him on film, he really jumps out at you. I mean, he really pops off the film, but the thing is he doesn't do it all the time. I think because of the depth that you guys had at tight end, he wasn't the number one tight end at Notre Dame because Notre, you got, you had so many good, you had such depth at the position yes, as sir. Notre Dame usually does. Talk to me about Tommy Tremble, his strengths, you know, his improvement this year. What do you think he can be at the next level? Yeah. Um, you know, first off, we had, you know, a, a group of tight ends that was probably the best in the country. And our offense revolved around them. And the things that we did was to get all those tight ends in the right spots. And Tommy was a huge part of that. Uh, his biggest thing is his physicality. He, he puts it on film every single Saturday. He just plays so physical is by far one of our best blockers um you know not afraid of anybody will run at anyone full speed and block you know until you're out of bounds and we used him for that and we that just helped spark our offense and uh kind of gave us our identity of a really a smash mouth football team this last season so but then he can do that but he's super fast and he can go out there and he's really rangy he can make plays and he's a really good route runner. So he's got everything you need to play at the next level. I'm really excited for him. You know, glad he's coming out. He's a really good player, and he's somebody that I definitely trust. I was going to say, you know, the explosion as a blocker is probably only second to the athleticism that yes, you, you see Trumbull on the field because, you, you know, you, you look at him a couple of times and say, well, he's primarily a blocking tight end, and then he gets 15 yards down the field, separates, and he's he's grabbing the ball out of the air. Exactly. So he, he's so versatile, and – you wouldn't think he could block like that and he can't. So it's, it, he's got it going on for him. Now back to you here. Uh, you capped your season with an invitation to the senior bowl. Can you just describe what that experience was like down in mobile this week? And, you know, certainly 
what was it like in terms of expectations that maybe you had coming in that obviously might have been slightly affected by COVID? Yeah, uh, first off, just unbelievable experience, you know, especially with COVID. You just don't know. You don't know if you're ever going to get, you know, face to face with teams. And the Senior Bowl was a way to do that. And I just wanted to take full advantage of that. Uh, I think 31 of the 32 teams were there, you know, got to meet with every single team, you know, face to face. And that's huge, especially this year. You know, if it comes down to, you know, you or the other guy and the teams met you face to face, who knows what, what it could do. So just wanted to get in front of everybody, you know, knew all the scouts were going to be there at practice. Wanted to go that show that I could throw with every quarterback there and uh, just truly enjoyed it. And being able to be with the Dolphins staff was awesome. You know, they throw a whole playbook at you and you got to learn it in a week. Just a great challenge. And I just had fun with it. Met a lot of guys, got to play with the best of the best. And that's all you can really ask for. Now, basically, there's three practices. Each practice is two hours. Did you notice a difference in tempo or a difference in the practices that are run by an NFL team compared to what you'd experienced in Notre Dame. I'm not putting down Notre Dame's practices. I'm just asking if there was a difference that you could feel. Yeah. Um, you know, Notre Dame does a good job. You know, we're running once the period's over, you're running to the next one. And that's, it was similar with, with the dolphins. Um, so I, I wouldn't say a huge change, but you can definitely feel the tempo. You can feel that, you know, the dolphin staff, they're going to treat you like professionals, you know, that's why you're out here. And that's what I really felt. And, really like that freedom, you know, that you're out here for a reason to do a certain job. You know, one of the, one of the coaches was saying, we're not going to congratulate you for throwing the football. That's what you're here to do. <laughs> so do it every single time. What was it like throwing the Dwayne Eskridge? Oh, it was awesome. He, he's, he's a burner and uh, he showed that super fast. I thought we had good chemistry, you know, the first couple of practices and then he ended up, um, you know, not finishing, but man, he's somebody that, uh, he was beating a lot of guys out there. Super fun to throw to. Moving on to draft prep for you. What does your present training regimen look like? And, and where are you training? I'm currently training at MJP in McKinney, Texas, outside of Dallas. Um, working on my 40, working on all the drills, you know, working on getting a lot stronger. And then I'm throwing every day as well. So I'm throwing with this group. Obviously, with COVID, it's a little different. I have a smaller group that we're with every single day, but just working on everything, you know, working on what I want to do at, the, at my pro day, um, just fine tuning everything and really focusing on myself and, um, you know, getting better. So it, it's been awesome. And uh, just love the group that I'm with, love this, the guys that I'm with, um, really challenging me in the weight room and in my 40 yard dash and all this stuff to be with, with these type of athletes. It's definitely getting me better. Who are the receivers that you're throwing to in, in your training? Yeah, I'm throwing to um, Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. Sure. Um, Seth Williams from uh, Auburn. Yep. Yeah, Luke Farrell's a tight end from Ohio State. Throwing with Quentin Morris from Bowling Green, tight end. Uh, Ramon J. Stevens uh, from uh, Oklahoma. Um, throwing to Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana Lafayette. So that, that's kind of my main group that I'm with every single day. So you got a mix there. You got Marshall, who's fast. You got Seth Williams, who's the bigger possession receiver. You got Quentin Morris, who's a fast tight end. You got Farrell, who's more of your your blocking type of guy. So you you got it. That's good though. You you know you short passes and and the and the deeper throws, right? Yes, sir. It's a great group, and it's really two two wideouts, two running backs, two receivers, and we can get everything we need. And 
just just really working hard with that group every single day. It's really fun. When is your pro day? Or when is the Notre Dame pro day, I should say? Uh, it's March 31st. Set it back a bit. Set it back some. That's good for you. Yes, sir. Good. You know, I'll get out there early and start working with the guys. But it's it's definitely good work that we're getting in right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the work that you're getting in, some of those names you mentioned, I mean, these guys are going to uh, be drafted pretty high. They're definitely, you know, guys that NFL teams are very, very interested in. Can you kind of you know, tell us what it's like to throw to a guy like Terrace Marshall Jr., who he gets a lot of first-round hype. You know, a guy like Seth Williams, who's probably, you know, going to go late day two, early day three, something in that range. I mean, you know, what's it like to go from the talent you have at Notre Dame, which obviously you guys have a lot of talent there, and then you kind of transition to working out with, you know, a lot of these prospects as well? Yeah, it's super fun. Obviously, everybody's just different. So it's fun regardless to just kind of throw with a new receiver. And um, everybody's different. You know, I already got figuring out my chemistry with these guys, but everybody runs their routes differently and everybody's good at different things. It's just, it's just a good challenge. And I think it just helps as a QB to throw to so many different people because it just it's just going to get you ready. But, you know, these guys are, you know, the best of the best, like you said, going to go, you know, day one and day two. And that's what I want, honestly, just pushes me to be better. And, you know, they expect me to put the ball on them every single time like they should. So it's really fun. Now, we generally like to ask our guests on the show to kind of self-scout themselves a little bit. So we've asked you about lots of other guys and we've asked you about kind of your career. What would you say as a quarterback are your biggest strengths? Yeah, I think my leadership ability and my accuracy and my playmaking ability. Those are three things, you know, I take a lot of pride in. Um, try to do, you know, to the best of my ability every single day. And I think it's led me to where I am. So those are the three things I, t- I focus on. Now, piggybacking off of that, what type of offense do you think you're best suited for to play in the NFL? Um, I think I could play in it, all of them. And I think the best ones are kind of like what the, the Niners and the Rams run. You know, I think, you know, this last year under center with Coach Reese got me prepared. You know, I, I feel like I'm really good throwing on the run. Um, you know, a lot of misdirection and, uh, but honestly, whatever the offense is, you know, I I think I can do it. Now we asked you about your strengths. So we obviously have to go in reverse and kind of ask you about some areas of improvement. What would you say is the one thing or certainly more than one, if you're focusing on a few uh, that you would say are your biggest areas of improvement? Sure. Yeah. So like I said, for my strength, I think it's my playmaking ability. I also think when I, you know, biggest weaknesses is my playmaking ability. And what I mean by that is, you know, I don't want to have to rely on it. And, uh, you know, I want to know there's a fine line that we talked about this last year with coach Reese is I want to know when it's time to take off and run. Cause I can do that. And when it's time to sit in there and go to my third, you know, and fourth, sometimes even fifth read. And, uh, that's the fine line that I've been working on this last year, a lot with coach Reese. You know, that's one thing that I just put so much focus into I felt like I got a lot better at, but obviously there's still work to be done, but you know, knowing when to sit back there and let it, let it rip. Cause that's why I played quarterback to begin with. I believe I can definitely sit back there and let it rip, you know, like everybody else coming out this year. And uh, I wanted to be able to prove that. And uh, still something I work on every single day though. I obviously know that, you know, that I was allowed to run around in college and uh, I know it's not that easy in the NFL. You got to be able to play from the pocket in the NFL. That's, that's priority number one. If you're uh, if you're a quarterback. Yes, sir. Now, what do you do specifically uh, to, you know, work on staying in the pocket, to work on not bailing too soon? Because when you said, oh, you know, it's also my biggest weakness, I kind of knew where you were going with that. But I'm certainly curious as to what kind of things you do to improve that. Is it mostly a film thing? Is it something that you're out there on the field trying to create some muscle memory? How is that kind of a tangible skill that you're attempting to improve? Yeah, 
this last year, I feel like I made a lot of improvements just because it was diving into the playbook, being on the same page as the coordinator, being on the same page as every receiver, knowing where everyone needs to be at the right time, you know, and, um, you know, really diving into the film and understanding defensive recognition and understanding where I need to be, you know, on time at the right time. That makes the biggest, the biggest difference. All right, we're going we're gonna to ask you to brag about yourself a little bit. I mean, <laughs> you're a guy that has a lot to be proud of, you know, uh, semifinal uh, appearances with Notre Dame, starting quarterback for three years, 30 wins, two undefeated seasons. If there's one thing as you leave Notre Dame that you're most proud of, uh, that you've, uh, your, your, your impression on, or not your, what you, you're basically leaving behind, what would that be? Yeah, probably the two uh, two undefeated seasons and making it to the playoffs. I know that means we fell short both times, which obviously I never want to happen. But I take pride in that. It's a team thing, and just to be able to you know be on two undefeated teams, it takes everybody. So th- th- I'm really proud about that. And I, I believe you've never lost a home game at Notre Dame, correct? That was my second one, but um, I've, I've never lost a home game. And we always talk about protecting the house, so that that means a lot to me. It took a lot of pride in that. And, you know, never had never lost a game in the Notre Dame Stadium. It'll lead to a lot of uh, happy Saturday nights in South Bend, huh? Yes, sir. Definitely. Definitely help the experience. <laughs> well, Ian, listen, we appreciate your time. Uh, you've been a fun QB to watch the last couple of years. Congratulations on a great college career. Congratulations on a terrific week at Senior Bowl. I know uh, we're going to be watching for your name to be called, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, come draft weekend. And, We will see you on a roster in the NFL in some way, shape, or form this coming fall. Thank you for joining us, and thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ian. We appreciate you. All right. And now, before we sign off, we want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. And I got to tell you, I, I, there have been a number of times I have ordered my New Balance running shoes off of eBay, and they've always been terrific. Now, Tony... Obviously a great interview there with Ian Book. I mean, really learned a lot. Not not too often we get guys that have played in the college football playoff to join the show. So certainly hearing about some of that high-level experience was was a unique experience for us. What else did you kind of take away from the things Ian was able to talk to us about? Well, there have been some people like myself who, I don't want to say are critical of his arm strength, but just don't feel he's, he's best suited for a vertical game. But I can tell you what, when you talk to Ian Book, you can tell he gets it. You can see why players are basically uh, attracted to him and, and, and he leads by example. I mean, he sounds and he talks like a leader and then he backs it up with the, 
two undefeated seasons at Notre Dame, the 30 wins, never lost a home game in three years at Notre Dame. So you could see why, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world, maybe he's not a guy that can throw the ball 90 yards downfield with speed, but you could see why an NFL team is really going to like him and really going to want to, it was going to bring Ian Book into the mix because he gets it and, and he talks like it too. And as we've seen with the results at Notre Dame, you know, he delivers. And I mean, you know, a lot of teams, if you're looking for a backup quarterback, a lot of times you want a guy who knows the game. You want a guy who, as you said, gets it, who can lead, who can rally people around him because that guy comes in the game and, you know, he's forced to make plays. He's forced to immediately gain the trust of his teammates. So he has to be prepared and he has to be kind of that natural leader that you mentioned. You know, he talked about not being a senior coming in, still feeling like he could lead the guys. I mean, that's something that, you know, he has inside. That's something that comes from in there. And also, I mean, 10 years ago, I don't know how we're really discussing Ian Book, um, you know, as a quarterback. The game has changed so much. It allows a guy who, you know, has the level of athleticism that he does. I don't want to say he's reliant on it, but I mean, even during the interview, he said it's his biggest weakness because it's kind of a crutch for him. He knows it's always there. Guys like that 10, 15 years ago weren't even getting looks in the NFL. So obviously it's kind of the right time for a player like Ian Book to come along into the draft. You know, and even if he doesn't get into the game, just to have him as an extra set of eyes on the sidelines. I mean, the way he talked about how Clemson basically uh, adjusted in the second half of that game uh, was fascinating, I I thought. And you could tell, I mean, he remembers it to a T, what they were doing, rushing three men, the twisted stunts and dropping everybody back in zone. Uh, Tells you that, you know, he sees what's going on and he'll be just as valuable as an extra set of eyes on the sidelines as he would be on their center. And that's it for the 175th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. Special thanks go out to Ian Book for joining the show today. And we'll be back next week with more on the 2021 NFL Draft. Until then, for Tony Pauline. This is Chris Tripodi. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.